Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly Harrell, author, modern animist, and big runes fangirl. Soul Intent Arts is my spiritually focused practice, and you're listening to What in the Weird, my podcast in which I talk about runes, animism, soul healing, and how all of that intersects through sacred activism on my path. The Weekly Rune is out, and if you're not familiar with it, check it out. It's a rune cast that I've done for several years focused on the runic calendar and current half-month rune. If you're not sure what a half-month is, listen to the early episodes of One in the Weird, or just go read the Weekly Rune at soulintonarts.com. It's explained at the beginning of every runecast. I also want to thank everyone who's contacted me with questions and comments about the show and the Weekly Rune. It's really awesome to be connected with people who feel so strongly about the runes. And thank you for showing your support for my work. Also, big thanks to my Patreon supporters who make the sharing of my rune work through the RuneCast and Podcast possible with their financial support. If you want to show your support for What in the Weird and the Weekly Rune, search for The Weekly Rune on Patreon.com. And thank you so much for that. My big news for this week is that I was featured on James Stovall and Sarenth Odinson's podcast, Around Grandfather Fire, which you can find on Anchor and other podcast platforms. So let me back up a second. These guys have produced podcasts for years, which you may be familiar with. They produced The Jaguar and the Owl and Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Their new podcast on Anchor is really the best of all of that, focused on all walks of mysticism, spiritual intrigue, the paranormal, you name it. They talk about everything. But my appeal with them is that as wise as they are, as well-informed as they are, they check themselves. They're knowledgeable guys who hold their wisdom well, yet they're completely transparent about the fact that they're still teachable and they remain intentionally willing to listen and amplify the voices of others. They had me on to talk about my new book, Runic Book of Days, which comes out tomorrow. And we talked about all kinds of things, everything from the book to initiations with the runes and our current state of cultural elderhood or lack thereof. So go check it out. It's called Around Grandfather Fire, and you can find it on Anchor and all major podcast platforms. So the other big news is that my book is coming out tomorrow. Yay! Oh my God, I can't even tell you. Runic Book of Days comes out tomorrow, September 11th, and I'm so pleased that it's finally in the hands of other people. There is a point where every creation, every creative project needs to leave and go out and do its own thing. And so I'm really happy that it's making its way into the world. More on that in just a second. This week, we close our time in the half month of Raido. We've spent the last couple of episodes talking about the formula of Ansu's plus Raido equals Kenos. I say Kenos, some people say Kauna. You're a rock star either way. And that formula is naming plus storytelling equals meaning. We've talked about the healing story, what happens when we realize people are listening to our healing story, and how the healing story itself is our calling. It's that thing that wakes you up at night, that drives you all day, that leaves you perpetually feeling like you haven't done enough. 
what else could there be left to talk about with Rytho? In episode 34, the first one that we talked about Rytho for this year, we tiptoed around this concept of the untold story in the context of the uninvited guest and how that archetype shows up repeatedly in the Old Norse stories of movement and travel. So I'd like to focus more on that in this episode. We embrace these stories of host, guest, uninvited guest as role-playing, at least as ways to plot ourselves into different roles and see what the outcomes of scenarios would be. How would your life be different if you were in a different job? How would it be if you lived in a different place, if you were more wealthy, if you were disabled? What if you hosted an uninvited guest? Or what if you were the uninvited guest? These are the kinds of trying on different scenarios, different plots, different outcomes that that tactic in the Eddas brings us. So through these ancient soap operas, we're taught the many ways that we can respond to adversity. In fact, the role of the uninvited guest is so frequent in the Old North sagas, and even in our own fairy tales, as in the Wicked Stepmother, we internalize that role as if there's always a catalyst for change. We just assume that there's one always coming. It's part of human consciousness. Maybe it's part of just the way things are. You tell me. Whether it comes in the form of, of trickster, Loki, or, or suffering spirit, Fenrir, I know, that's my spin on things. Some people don't take Fenrir that way. Or the innocent yet curious, even Goldilocks. They're all intrusions that are a natural part of life that we have to learn to deal with. The focus on the uninvited guest with Rai, though, is the initial crisis, okay, the thing you never saw coming, never really wanted to happen, but it has. And now you can't go back to life the same. You have to move. You have to become something different, which requires movement on your part. With Rai, though, also the uninvited guest is the realization that you've completed your journey. And now what? Just being finished isn't enough. By the time you go through that huge transition, being finished isn't enough anymore. It doesn't satisfy the way you thought it would. So you're moved, again, to share your story, stage fright, panic attacks, all of that. But even after that, all of those things have come to pass. There's still something that isn't sated. And the only thing left is the actualization of calling. That's the other uninvited guest of Rytho. I did an episode on claiming calling. I think it was episode 12. So I'm not going to go back through why I say claiming versus finding calling. Go listen to it. Instead, I want to talk about the hesitation around claiming calling. The old tapes of the new age tout calling as if it's all that, as if it's everything as if it's the next immediate step after enlightenment. There's this idea that after you learn all the everything that enlightenment has to teach you, that you just automatically know what to do with it, that somehow you know how to articulate it, that you are mature enough, that you're wise and grounded and articulate enough to do right 
by this peak experience that you just had. And the thing is, it it isn't. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Um, Just because you live into your wisdom, you live into the experience of enlightenment, however it speaks to you, it doesn't mean that you know what to do after that point. It usually comes when you're flying so high, you don't want to be interrupted. It comes when you're so far down, you can't even tie your own shoes, let alone carrying out a calling to benefit community. Or it comes when you're just finding your feet on the ground after just putting out some other life fire. Calling, see, the thing about it is that you're its bitch, at least in terms of having to admit that it's visited and that you have to respond somehow. I've always talked very candidly about pretty much everything. It's important to me to be honest, by which I mean not be fake, about how I move through my life, about the fact that I'm still growing, I'm still learning. And in this case, about how I'm writing. That said, I had no intention to write Runic Book of Days. None. Zero. Not ever. In the book, I talk about how I worked with the runes for almost two decades as purely a personal spiritual ally. But what I don't say in the book is that when the runes began telling me that I needed to incorporate them into how I work with others, I didn't want to. I don't think most people realize the hesitation in calling. Like I I talked about a minute ago, It it never comes when it's convenient. We ask for it. It's a hallmark of the new age to think you're supposed to go seek enlightenment, to be cracked open to your calling, have these peak experiences. But the reality is they never come when we ask them to. They come when they come. And they're usually in the midst of a life dynamic that has us say, "Eh, I'm not so sure about that. I meet tons of people who want to be a Reiki master, a palm reader, a shaman, or, you know, whatever spiritual holistic practitioner of some skill that has them work intimately with others, work on others. But the thing that I can never get them to realize is how that thing, that skill, that calling, whatever you want to call it, how it changes once you bring it to other people, once you bring other people into it. It's sort of like when you first begin telling your healing story, right? How that discomfort of presenting it to other people, having their reactions. Well, the difference between telling your healing story to others and bringing others into your calling is that, yeah, you're putting it out there to the public. You've, You've told your story. But when it's just your healing story, you're not taking on any responsibility for how people are going to respond to it. You're aware of it. You may not like how they respond to it. But ultimately, you are not involved with how they choose to go forward with the impact of your story. When you decide to take your calling to other people, to bring them into your calling in a form of spiritual work, whether it's literally to be a spiritual practitioner of some modality or to become more active in your community in a way that's spiritually uplifting, you're putting yourself in the place to be at least partly responsible for how they go forward in that information. And that one little thing, that one little nuance 
of changing your calling changes everything. So when the runes started telling me that I had amassed enough quote-unquote wisdom with them that I needed to take it to others, I said no. I said hell no, in fact. Several times on my Instagram and in my blog, I have made mention that you can tell your spirit guides to step back when you need them to, when they're being overbearing, when they don't understand, when you're completely tapped of resources and you cannot do what they're asking you to do, it's completely fair to ask them to hang on a second, to um, let you regroup, or, or flat out tell them what you need so that you can comply with what they're asking of you. But the thing about calling is it's coming from you. It's coming from the earthly part of you. It's coming from that transpersonal part of all that is part of you. And it does not listen to no. Maybe you can put it off. Maybe you can regroup and, and get the things that you need in order to be able to comply with what's being asked of you. But the bottom line with calling is it's you on yourself. It's your demands on yourself at a higher level. And so when you read these stories about fire in the head and people neglecting to give it what it's asking for, the historic association, the traditional association, has been you're being haunted by the spirits. Well, maybe you are. Uh, who am I to say? I, I'm not you. I'm not your guides. Who am I to say? But I can tell you from my personal experience and from... The years that I've spent working with others to cultivate a place where they can stand in their own calling and claim it, you start going batshit when you stop listening to yourself, when you stop listening to your own needs. When you ignore something that you are genuinely on fire to do, you get sick one way or the other. However you define sick, that hesitation is a disruption in a flow of the bulk of who you are. Maybe not all that you are, but a large part of who you are at a deep level. And it needs you. So, when I say that I said no to the runes for a long time, really I was saying no to myself. And when I made that connection... When I came to grips with the reasons for why I was saying no, which were insecurity, fear, that's when I began writing the weekly rune. I had to do something to channel that energy. So when my book, Teen Spirit Guide to Modern Shamanism, and don't go crazy, I didn't get to pick the title. When that came out, that's when I began writing the weekly rune. And shortly into that experience, I realized that I could articulate my relationship with the runes. I could do it through writing. At that point, I started to write what I thought would be another book in the Teen Spirit series. And it was another young adult approach to working with the runes. The more that I worked on that and delved into the work of Nigel Pennock, which was focused largely on timekeeping... I realized that 
that was another place where the runes were speaking to me. They were telling me that this is, while the calendar itself is a modern construct so that it doesn't break our brains according to the way we function with timekeeping now, that that was one way that the runes were historically worked with that had been lost. And that was something that I knew that I could write well enough to bring back. So again, I wasn't sure how to do that, but my agent brought up the suggestion of applying it against the natural seasons, the sacred holy days of the season. And I told myself I didn't know enough about the runes. Well, who does? I told myself I didn't want to write any more nonfiction. I lied. I told myself I didn't have the attention span to write that kind of sequential, methodic time keeping. I just couldn't imagine doing that. Well, and that part was true. I don't have the attention span for a lot of things, if I'm completely honest. But what I found in the exploration of Nigel Pennock's approach to runic timekeeping was a fond memory of spiritual devotionals. Did you guys have devotionals in your formative spiritual years? I know not everybody was raised in the church and came to uh, animism with that sort of wake on their heels. But I was raised in the United Methodist Church, which for Christian denominations is extremely progressive and liberal. And one of the things that the church focused on in terms of extracurricular activities was a publication called The Upper Room. And The Upper Room was and is, as far as I know, a magazine dedicated to providing personal, structured, spiritual study in really small bits on a regular basis. It's like time-release spirituality, essentially. And, and that really is the definition of a devotional. And the one thing that I missed when I first came into pagan culture, you know, like you're spoon-fed in the church, here's how you do all this stuff. So, you know, they've, they've had thousands of years to lay out the liturgy of how to do it all. Well, those parts of the pagan culture are missing. And when I first started studying the runes, I, I really missed having some kind of time-release approach to spiritual study. And so... One of the things that Nigel Pennock's work with the runic calendar gave to me was this idea of creating devotionals around the runes, the runes, but around the runic calendar itself. And that is when I really gelled with writing the runic book of days. Once I could get into that sacred space and realize that I wasn't, wasn't making this up. This was a, a historic component that had been lost and that I had managed to live for years through my own personal path of runic study. When I realized that, I realized the value in my own studies and I realized that I had an obligation to give other people a chance to take that information and go where they would with it. They don't have to go where I go. They don't have to do what I do. And that's something that I make very clear in the book. I, I make that clear in every book that I've written. There is a point where your calling says you're not allowed to keep this to yourself. It is the uninvited guest that insists 
that you get off your butt and do something with what you've been given. And I thank you for the opportunity and the support over the years through the weekly rune that enabled me to feel confident enough to write that book. And thank you for celebrating its release with me tomorrow. That's it for this episode. And that's it for Raido for this year. We are stepping away from that as our half month. And I hope that our time with it has given you some reflection on what your healing story is and how you can bring it to the world. If you need help with that, if you need a cheerleader in that, if you just want somebody to bounce it off of, feel free to email me at kelly at soulintentarts.com or call in through the Anchor app. You can leave a direct message through the app and you can download that for Android or iPhone. Also, check out earlier episodes by downloading them from Google Play or iTunes. They're on all kinds of other platforms too. And if you get a chance, check out Everyday Animism, the other podcast that I host with a couple of wonderful women on Anchor. And do check out Around Grandfather Fire, which is also on Anchor. If you have Amazon Alexa, you can add the flash briefing skill, the wisdom of the runes, and get runic prompts and inspiration that act as devotionals for you throughout the week. You can learn more about me and my work by visiting soulintentarts.com or Instagram at Kelly Soul Arts. And yay, my book comes out tomorrow. I'm Kelly, and this has been What in the Weird.